Hello there. I'm Rowan Williams. I'm Baz McAllister. And welcome to Force Material, the show that's all about the secrets and source material of Star Wars. And this week, it's all about digging into episodes four and five of the book of Boba Fett. Baz, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Like like the entirety of Star Wars fandom right now, you're feeling good. Um, you do wonder why it's called the book of Boba Fett. Like, I've always wondered why it's called the book of Boba Fett, because ostensibly it's the TV show of Boba Fett. Like, are they going to release a novelization called the TV show of Boba Fett just to mess with our heads even more? <laughs> but um, but I, I kind of see it now. Like, if you're reading Game of Thrones, you get lots of different POV characters. Mm-hmm. And episode five felt like a POV character chapter, you know, from, from a different perspective. And, well, you know, you get that all the time in books. And I've seen people bitterly complaining about it and, and people lauding it and people saying, oh, where's season three of Mando already? You know, it's just part of this story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you usually get that as part of TV shows as well. That's kind of been yeah. one of the unusual things about Favreau's uh, approach to these shows is that this and I guess uh, the Ahsoka episode of The Mandalorian are really the only time we've spent sort of a significant amount of time away from whoever the main character of these shows happens to be. I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are like, including us, have have sort of said, wow, these shows really feel like video games sometimes. Part of it is because it really does feel like you're just following this one person on a campaign through yeah. the series because you never spend any, there's no B-plots. You don't spend any time with anybody else really unless the main character is there. Maybe a scene or two cutting to the bad guys while they're, you know, plotting something evil for a couple of minutes and then we're mm-hmm. back to, and then we're back to, you know, the Mando or, or in this case Boba Fett. So, I mean, I thought that was, yeah, that, like that was cool to sort of, uh, you know, actually open up the scope of it a little bit and, and, and you know, make someone else the POV character for an episode. Yeah, really good. Um, although... You know, with all these shows coming out, and there's going to be what we know of about eight or nine, don't we, at this point? Mm-hmm. They're either in development or already, you know, on the way. But um, it makes me think of in 20 years' time, if someone says, well, what order do I start watching the Star Wars TV shows in? Mm. You've got to go, right, well, you've got to watch Mando season one and two, then you've got to watch Book of Boba Fett season one before you watch Mando season three. So it's, you know, and it's already starting to get, kind of complicated yeah i mean like you know like we wouldn't watch every show that's out there you know so Mm. we know what's going on but Mm. it might get complicated for like the casual person who's trying to get into it and in the future i guess because these these things will stand the test of time like the Mm. movies have Mm. i mean that's that's one of the things that sort of put me off like the CW, you know, all the Arrowverse stuff, aside from the yeah. fact that a lot of it just isn't very good, is that, you know, it, you you have to sort of watch it in a very specific order in order for the crossover episodes to make sense and stuff. Like when I was trying to watch it, I, and I because I couldn't watch it sort of as it was happening because, you know, this is like a lot of this was in the bad old days when Australia didn't get stuff at the same time as the rest <laughs> of the world or whatever. So yeah. you're watching like half of season one of something and then half of season three of something else until they link up in the crossover episode or whatever. And then you go on with each of those respective seasons until they all mm-hmm. link up again. And that, that was part of why I was like, Oh, this is just too, I can't be bothered yeah. to track of all this. Like, so, and uh, you know, obviously for star Wars, I'm going to make more of an effort and, you know, and, <laughs> and we're, and we're watching these as they happen. So, you know, it's, it's fine, but yeah, you, that, that's a, that's a good point though. I could see this maybe being a little bit off putting for someone in the future who was trying to, uh, 
piece all this together. Yeah, it's it's strange. And I can see, you know, the Ahsoka show obviously is going to have Ahsoka in it and, you know, might even have Mando in it, who knows, or, or Boba or anyone could pop up in any show. So it's mm. just going to it's gonna maybe keep it a little more tricky getting the timeline straight, which has always been a bit tricky in terms of books and comics and video games and things like that. So, mm. um, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining. This is great. I, I love it. I'm just thinking about, you know, future generations getting confused. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to need a ready reckoner or there'll be some super Disney plus thing that will just beam it all into your brain in the right order by then anyway. So, well, true. It's all good. Well, yeah. I was thinking about, I was thinking about even just, you know, this generation watching it last night where I was like, this is amazing. But also <laughs> imagine if someone just jumped on these shows with Book of Boba Fett and was now trying to make sense <laughs> yeah. of this episode, like they would be so lost and maybe they'd be lost in a good way where they're like, what I understood of that was rad. Now I want to go and dive into, you know, the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could also see people just being like, uh, what? Like, I'm, I'm out. But I, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was an incredible episode. So I would like to think that if there was anyone who hadn't seen the first two seasons of The Mandalorian, this episode would just sell them on, you know, going back and watching them. Because it, it's marvelous. You know, The Mandalorian has just gone from strength to strength. I think the episodes in season two were immeasurably better than even, you know, the great episodes in, in season one, mm. um, culminating obviously in that final Luke reveal, which is, you know, just mind blowing. And this stands up with the best of the Mandalorian episodes. I think this mm. uh, episode five return of the Mandalorian. Yeah. It's, um, it's so good. And it's, it's essentially what Mando did next, isn't it? Yeah. Cause you know, everyone was speculating, what's he going to do? Is he going to lead a ma- an army of Mandalorians against, you know, um, to retake his planet. Yeah. Um, and now we find out, no, he's just doing bounty pucks like he always was. And, mm. you know, coming crawling back to the people who have, let's face it, abused him for his whole life, really. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and then, you know, it doesn't, and, and he still can't work out how to use the dark saber properly. And so it's, it's all business as usual for, for Mando. He's still right in the, in the mess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting to see how that sort of bridges the gap between seasons two and three because obviously he's going to feature more in the in the book of Boba Fett, isn't he? Mm. Um, so when we join up with him at the start of Mandalorian season three, a significant amount of time will have passed and a significant amount of stuff will have been done, I think. So you know, you you've kind of this could have been the first episode of Mando season three, couldn't it? Oh, hundred percent. And you know, I think it's definitely. But- I think it was Kathy Kennedy who said that this season, like that this season of Book of Boba Fett would be sort of season 2.5 of Mando. Mm. But I don't think anyone sort of realized how literally she meant that until, <laughs> yeah. until we got to this episode. Because it absolutely, it felt like a surprise drop of the first episode of Mando season three. It felt yeah. like that thing that, you know, like Alamo Drafthouse does in America or whatever, where they're like, <laughs> people think they're buying a ticket to like a screening of like an old movie, like Jurassic Park or whatever. And then boom, it's actually a sneak preview of Jurassic World Dominion. You know what I mean? Like that thing where you, you go to a screening expecting one thing and it's actually a preview of something else. I, I <laughs> and everyone leaves. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, it was, it was good. Uh, yeah. But you know, that's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's so, it's weird, man. Like I, I, I get people who would criticize it. Like uh, there's this weird sort of thing that's happened with this show, this show in particular, I don't know why, where people seem to be either 
super critical of it or completely dismissive of all criticism whatsoever about this show. So the takes are either like, this show is terrible or this show is great and, you know, Lucasfilm are giving us a gift every week and you're an idiot if you don't understand it Mm. and, you know, you're a bad person if you don't like it or whatever. (laughs) And there doesn't seem to be any middle ground. Like, and I, I, even though I like this episode, I, I can see why someone would sort of question if you look at it from as an individual episode, it's incredible. It does feel like though, at the end of episode four, this series was finally sort of gathering some like forward momentum. Like the flashbacks had stopped. We were actually getting the show that was kind of advertised in terms of like, it's the Godfather, but with Boba Fett, like that was all happening. Yeah. He was meeting with the, the families and he was, he was getting ready to fight the Pikes or whatever and get his team together. And then this episode, it was like, you, you sort of get to the end of that episode and you're like, well, there's no way that the story won't advance forward in episode five. Yeah. And then you get to this and it's like, they found a way. Like, they found a way for it to <laughs> not really, like, the, the, obviously the story of the Mandalorian advanced forward, but not really, like, the story at the end of this episode in terms of Book of Boba Fett, in terms of this show's arc, is like, you know, at the end of episode four, everyone's like, oh, he's going to recruit Mando. And in terms of like, well, what new stuff happened in the Book of Boba Fett storyline in this episode? He recruited Mando. It's like, yeah, I know. You told us that at the end of episode four with that music. Everyone knew that was going to happen. So, like, in that sense, it is sort of weird that, the, you know, the the Boba Fett show didn't really progress at all. But yeah. I'm sort of realizing over the course of, you know, I realized over the course of watching this episode, I enjoy The Mandalorian a lot more than The Boba Fett show, so I don't mind. I'm like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Take me into season three of Mando. That's cool. It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's so funny how... It's it's kind of like being back with an old friend again, because mm. um, you know if if you'd said three years ago we're getting a Boba Fett show, everyone would have lost their mind with excitement and would have mm. loved it and loved it, and they wouldn't care about an original character. Mm. You know, it's, it'd be give us Boba Fett, put it in mm. my veins, and now here we have an original character basically stealing the season that's named for Boba Fett. Yeah. Oh, it's, way, it's completely you know? flipped, right? Like when Mando was introduced, mm. it was like, oh, it's Boba Fett with like the serial number scratched off. It's like, yeah. it's it's Boba Fett, but they're not calling him Boba Fett so that they can like, you know, Favreau can do whatever he want with him and they can sort of make it more like the Boba Fett people remember from the original trilogy or whatever, as opposed to the Boba Fett with all of the prequel and Clone Wars and whatever baggage attached to him. Yeah. And... It turns out people really like that version, myself included, really like that version of this character. And, you know, even the first few minutes of this, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Like, when, you know, when he, when he, when he busts into the, the, the butchers or whatever and he's, and he's taking people out, I'm like, this is so weird that in the Book of Boba Fett show, the character who is most like the way that, you know, I remember Boba Fett from when I was a kid is the Mandalorian. Because the Mandalorian's the guy who sort of talks and moves like Clint Eastwood. And, you yeah. know, like that's, he's the man with no name, like even though he has a name. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, and then Boba's become this completely different character, like we talked about last week. And, you know, I enjoy that character, but it's just not the character that I remember at all. Yeah. Um, he's become a, a, a sort of a bit more chilled out Jake the Moss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he really? That's, yeah. Yeah. He's, which is he's, fine. He's like, he's fun. I like, I like, this new version of Boba Fett or whatever you want to, you know, this evolved version of Boba Fett. But yeah, it was sort of cool to see Mando and be like, that guy, that's, that's what I kind of liked about this character in the first place. 
Do you, do you think this will this episode dropping the way it did, like essentially a surprise episode of Mando, will sort of build hype for the last two episodes of the show? Like it seems like any sort of Mando fan who wasn't sold on the Book of Boba Fett will have to watch these last couple episodes of Book of Boba Fett now, even if they were maybe yeah. sort of checking out of the show before. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's uh, is it two or three? I keep seeing seven episodes and eight episodes. It's but I, I, I've heard it's seven. I've got a little mm. Boba Fett fact sheet here. Bear with. Okay. Uh, a Boba Fett fact sheet. It's seven. It's seven episodes. Okay. It's a little like, I just I just found this just before we started it because I was trying to find if we knew who the directors for episode seven were. It just says, this is like a Disney Plus, like a press sheet thing. Uh, Book of Boba Fett lists writers for like episodes one through to seven. Um, and lists directors but doesn't say which episodes they're directing but sort of by the process of elimination we've had robert rodriguez for two episodes we've had bryce dallas howard we've had steph green we've had kevin uh tancheron so we know dave filoni is co-writing and directing next week so which is going to be amazing most likely so the only mystery as far as i know but someone out there might already know that i don't know this might be public knowledge and i just missed it is who is directing episode seven um because there's no other names on that list on this on, on the sheet so it's going to be one of those people coming back i don't know i mean well could be literally any of them it probably will be rodriguez because this was sort of his you know he's an exact producer he directed the pilot it's kind of his baby um as you know almost as much as it is favreau's to a degree but mm. I don't know. Do you, you, have you heard anything about who's directing episode seven? No, I haven't. But I'd imagine it would have to be Rodriguez because if, if anyone's going to film that sequence with Boba Fett riding a rancor through the streets of Mos Espa, yeah, cooking <laughs> fools left and right, it's going to be him <laughs> with, with Danny Trejo, like with a cattle prod. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's it's got to be him. He's gonna, he's going to bring his full grindhouse to that, isn't he? Because. Uh, I'm I'm fully expecting that Mando won't be the the last person they hire. Um, I, I really sense a sort of it against the galaxy, or it against the world, or whatever that storyline was from the early Marvel comics thing mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. You know, um, oh, where, yeah, they're, to- they're totally going to recruit more people. Like, sure, yeah. I mean, he's already got like in terms of muscle. Yeah, like yeah, they're hiring Mando, but Mando gets owned a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Mando cuts himself in the leg with the dark saber. You know? <laughs> It's true. They've got they've got Black Cassandra as well. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got two Gamorians. We got a gang of scooter mods, and they've um, still got money up their sleeve. You know, they've still got uh, they've yeah. still got cap space because the Boba, uh, Mando's not charging them anything, so mm-hmm, he's doing it right. for the, the veterans' minimum. So yeah, yeah, it was interesting to hear uh, Fennec say how much treasure do we have in reserve, as if yeah. You know, now they're in control of the palace. They've got the the treasure room. Guess they which, do. You know, I guess they do. So you know, because when Boba crawled out of the Sarlacc pit, he had nothing, right? So, mm. or maybe he had a Cayman Islands bank account with all the money from his previous bounties that hadn't <laughs> shut down. Um, but yeah, don't you find it odd that we're we're going to sort of talk between episode four and five throughout this podcast? But uh, don't you find it odd that Slave One's the only ship sitting in Jabba's garage or Bib Fortuna's garage? He can't be doing that well. I mean, maybe there's maybe there's other garages in there. Or mm. Yeah, maybe that maybe. was his his real prize. You know, he's got Boba Fett ship. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and do you imagine that that anyone could use it? That people have been using it in the years that Boba's been away, or do you think it's just been locked up with some code? 
I don't think anyone's used it. I don't know. Mm. I, I, that was sort of odd. Like, even, you know, when Boba was like, ah, oh, Bib Fortuna betrayed me. I'm like, when did that happen? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. Guess, I guess by keeping his ship. But he, but he never asked for it back, though. Well, because because uh, Fennec says, why don't you ask for it back? And he says, I'm not going to do that because I might not like the answer. Um, so right. he hasn't asked for it back. So, you know, he could have, yeah. <laughs> I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly when Bib double-crossed him. Maybe that was a story that we'll, we'll get to hear about. Maybe Bib wired his backpack so it... <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so hilariously malfunctioned. Yeah, they'll sort of blame him for that retroactively. He's like, I've been cool this whole time. I didn't trip. Yeah. It was the uh you know, it was the it was the jetpack. Yeah. So, but uh yeah. but that episode was kind of cool. So so we we did see the end of the flashbacks, which brought us almost up to the end of you know of to where we are now, but with one crucial detail missing in my mind, that's how do you track Cobb Vanth down? Um, I, I guess he just heard about him. I know that sounds dumb, but like I, you know, I, I imagine like word of a sheriff who dresses up like a Boba Fett and fights bad guys or whatever would spread. So, mm. like I, I, you know, that's one of those things where I'm like, it would have been kind of cool to give us something there. Like it had had to have him hear about Cobb Vanth and then the flashbacks end. Yeah, just so it connects up a little tighter. But I mean, whatever. I'm I'm sort of happy to fill mm. the blanks there. Again, I'm, I'm thinking of that viewer who probably doesn't exist, who only watches this show and not The Mandalorian. Yeah. is <laughs> sort of going, well, he's got his armor now. How did he get his armor? Um, but anyway, yeah. It is weird in the context of like, yeah, as you say, if you haven't watched The Mandalorian and you're watching this episode and he's like, I must get my armor back. It's very important that I get my, my armor back. And then the flashbacks end before he gets his armor back. You'd be like, what? So I are we going to go back to that or, but you know, the answer to any of these questions is usually like, just watch, just watch the Mandalorian. Yeah, it's, just it's, in, it's in the Mandalorian. <laughs> the That's funny right. thing, speaking of his armor, the funny thing about the flashback to him, um, you know, uh, uh, to rescuing Fennec Shand in this is remember when he rescued Fennec Shand, the reason so many people were like, it's Boba Fett is because of the spur sound effects. Oh yeah. But he doesn't have yeah. his armor at that point. So like, there's no, like, in universe reason for those spur sound effects to be there. <laughs> That's right. But whatever. But whatever, yeah. Um it's it's amazing to me in, in episode four how much Fennec is still doing the heavy lifting in that relationship. Oh, hundred percent. You know, it just seems like he's utterly unprepared for everything. It turns out that she's got the little probe droid that can get them into the palace. She's got the little thing that can break the bars off the you know the culvert. Yeah, he's got. She's the person who you know she proposes the stealth plan. It's all Fennec. And then you know when when they're hovering above the Sarlacc pit in the grip of the Fennec, you know of the of the the beak thing. Um, <laughs> it's Fennec who gets out of her chair and sorts the whole. And then situation. he's like, it's like "Don't she- touch my buttons." It's like, man, you would be <laughs> dead if she if she hadn't done that. Like you're the idiot who was like, "Oh, I think I'll just go back into the Sarlacc pit." I mean, come on, man. He didn't handle that particularly well, did he? Um, <laughs> in terms of strategy. It's, I, it's funny. You, you're weird. That, that was shot really well, I have to yeah. say. Like, I love the angles coming from inside the Salak's mouth when Slave One was, or sorry, the fire spray. The fire spray. Was uh, descending over the pit. And uh, it was just beautifully done. But uh, I remember sort of <laughs> waiting for the, for the jump scare of the beak. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, what if there's not a jump scare from the beak and they've decided special edition isn't 
cannon now for the beak. Mm. So it was like it was more about that in my head. So there was a whole meta layer yeah. of like, is, will is they the want that cannon? Is the beak yeah. going to be cannon? Yeah. <laughs> the beak's cannon. Wow. <laughs> That's actually that that touch that speaks to one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this series, and especially these last couple episodes, is the way that it mixes up all the different eras so seamlessly. And mm. so, you know, in the in, they found a way with the Sarlacc pit where everybody's happy, where you get the version where, you know, you can't see the beak, so it looks like the originals, but then the beak's still in there. It just comes out, you know, selectively. So you, the special edition, people are happy. Like, and, you know, the, like the, she dropped a, a, you know, charge into into there. Like, so, you know, that we, ha- we had, so that's like a, you know, one of the people's favourite things about the prequels that we're then mm-hmm. seeing in... Um, in now in like an OT kind of context, you know, and then this last episode was full of stuff like that. Like just everything, this episode five was just everything coming together. Like the, the amount of nods to, and we'll, you know, we'll get to it when we sort of get more into detail about episode five in a sec, but the amount of nods to episode one, the, as in, mm. you know, the Phantom Menace, Star Wars episode one was uh, really cool. It was almost like Mando was Anakin retracing that yeah. journey, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I think we'll, maybe we'll find out that um, Peli Motto was one of the kids that Anakin used to hang around with. <laughs> that, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past that. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of tempted to go back and watch it now and be like, is there a girl in the group that could be? That could be <laughs> I don't know what episode six will hold. I mean, are we going to see a visit to Grogu? I would have said... No, like the entire that entire episode, I would have sort of thought Grogu would be something they'd save for Mando season three, but mm-hmm. the fact that this episode ended with him being like, "I got to go see, I got to go see someone first. It's like, well, clearly it's Grogu. I'd hope so, yeah. Um, but if we see Grogu, we also, in theory, get to see Luke. Well, I've, I've been wondering this. Yeah, will we see Luke? And if like. He seems it's like the way he's talking about it. It's not a big deal for him to go and see Grogu in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's a big deal for him personally, but it's not, it doesn't sound like it's going to be difficult for him to find Grogu. Like he seems to know where he has to go if he wants, if he wants to see Grogu. So I I guess Luke at some point got in touch with him and was like, Oh, Hey man, I probably should have probably should have told you like where I'm taking this kid or whatever. (laughs) He Uh, sent him an invoice for the boarding school. That's what he did. Um, that's why. That's why. That's why Mando's working again. He's out there hunting yeah. bounties and stuff. He's like, I got to put this kid through college, <laughs> through Jedi school. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting. If Mando turns up at Jedi school, do you think there'd be a bit of time for a, a tutorial on how to use the dark saber from from Luke? Oh my god! I mean, I don't. I just. I don't see them bringing back Luke for like a mid season Boba Fett episode. But yeah. I didn't see any of this stuff in Episode Five happening either. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't. I don't know. It's so weird because the Jedi Academy thing is so huge. It's su- mm. such a huge part of Star Wars lore. And if it pops up in the first 10 minutes of a Boba Fett series where Boba Fett's not even the main character anymore, <laughs> it's going to be weird. <laughs> but, you know. I almost that's... wonder if, if, if that is something where, you know, episode six of Boba Fett starts back and Mando's like, well, I'm back. Like, I, I wonder if that yeah. is sort of teasing something that we will see in Mando season three. As oh, well. yeah. Yeah, that, that'd be a good way to do it. Yeah. Because you're right. Like, it, it, I don't know. It would just be so weird for something we've wanted to see for so long, just randomly mm. pop up in a, in you know, episode six of the Boba Fett show. Especially yeah. because this show really needs to get going in terms of, like, uh, what are we doing? Are we are we fighting the pikes? Like, are we you know are we going to start doing that now? Like, 
So I, I just don't think they can waste any more time on like side quests and stuff. But I mean, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they do. Yeah. I think that that flashback device has been hit and miss for me. Mm. Like it, it basically it finished 3.5 episodes into a seven episode season, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as like, you know, most of that episode two was, was flashback, but you could have contained all the flashback stuff in one long episode, right? So mm. I, I just wonder if it might have been easier to just do episode one, set it all up, or maybe maybe even one and two, then have a flashback thing, then maybe do a couple more episodes, then have the Mando situation unfold, and then come back for your finale. It, it yeah. just might have been better that way, um, and it might have felt less bitty and just felt like it was going somewhere. It's funny, like on paper, I don't have a problem with what they did in terms of peppering yeah. flashbacks through there because I, th- I think part of it too is like the, the Godfather is such a reference point for this show and that's, you know, I'm like, well, I guess they were going for like a Godfather 2 kind of thing with the flashbacks interspersed throughout the, you know, the, the present day story. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it did seem to hold the show back a little bit having to jump back and forth and only yeah. because it felt like we weren't really going anywhere in the present day scenes. I think if they both felt like they were moving forward, it would have been okay. Yeah. I love the motivation he gives to Fennec for what he's doing. Mm. Um, you know, basically I'm sick of too many chiefs, uh, not enough Indians, you know, let's, mm. let's just do this ourselves and, you know, cut out the bosses and, you know, cause they're all idiots and let's make some money. Yeah. It's, it's great. But is that really his actual motivation? Do you think that, you know, the hypothesis we had about him, trying to get land rights for the Tuscans. Is is that still in there somewhere? I don't think so. I, I, I originally thought, yeah, it might be. But now that we've seen that episode, it's funny because that was one of our, I suppose, like criticisms of the early episodes. It's like, I wish they we sort of had a better idea of like why Boba wants to do this um, because like he doesn't seem very good at it. But seeing that flashback, it was like, oh, it's this is actually a quite simple and relatable motivation to anybody who's ever had a boss. Like it's it's very easy to understand. Uh, it's it's like it's 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 fine. Like it's 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 like he says that you're like oh okay yeah this is anyone's motivation for starting their own business you know uh, and and I guess if you're Boba Fett and you're going to start your own business it's going to be something to do with you know crime so yeah it works for me. It's so weird though that thinking about I mean Boba Fett disintegrates people for money sure right but mm-hmm. now he's he's by definition, getting into large-scale drug dealing and protection rackets and all that kind of stuff, that kind of feels worse than than just disintegrating people for cash. Do you know what I is mean? He, like, is he getting into drug dealing, though? Because to me, it's it's The Godfather where he's like, uh, everybody else is getting into drugs and he's like, it's the one thing I, I won't do. Like, no, no drugs for us. And so Boba Fett is kind of doing that where he's like, I don't, you know, these, the pikes are coming here. They're trading spice. They're moving their spice through this planet, uh, and we're going to stop it. Now, I don't think he really has anything against drug use per se. Like, I think he's opposed to it because of how it affected <laughs> the, the Tuscans. He likes the odd, uh, you know, ayahuasca trip. <laughs> he does like the odd, you know, noseworm him himself. Uh, you know, that's that's Boba's nose candy. But I don't know. It it sort of, I, yeah. I don't I don't think he's sort of turning into a drug dealer. I'm wondering what he is turning into. Like he's, he's stro- what does he do? Like he strolls through the streets demanding tribute. Yeah, he does that for, a lot. For what? For what, Boba? Oh well, I'm kicking the pikes off Tatooine and and you know winding up their drug racket. 
but you haven't well, done it yet. Yeah, and and also I like drugs, Boba. Can you just like, yeah. this is ta- this is Tatooine. I just want some spice, man. I don't yeah. want to feel like I'm anywhere else. There's, there's a lot to do here. <laughs> I can't believe you're taking away the one thing we have. Like, yeah. do his mod friends know that he's taking away the drugs? I, you know, these so, are- tell me those mods aren't on drugs. Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It all remains to be seen. How, how is he? How, what's he? What's his protection racket exactly? Yeah, because um, he doesn't. He just. He's not any good at anything. This is the story <laughs> of how if you want to have a midlife career change, you really should think it through and maybe do something that's at least you know tangentially related to some skills that you've got. And maybe the best thing he's done is his first hire has a skill set that he doesn't have. He she knows everything about um, <laughs> the business he's trying to get into. And she knows how to step in and show her initiative in a pinch. Like otherwise, he'd be at the bottom of the Sarlacc in his ship, yeah. solving. Or that is, you know. that's totally that's like business one hundred and one, right? Like hire the people yeah. who have the skills you don't have. Well, exactly. Then it can do anything. It, this is why I'm like still vaguely in the back of my mind. Like maybe Fennec could betray him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd feel less that way after episode four. Because it seemed like they really did bond in those flashbacks. It seems like she really does sort of understand his motivations and, you know, probably feel the same way. And also is responding to the fact that someone, you know, the idea of someone actually showing her, you know, loyalty and allegiance Mm. for once. But also it just, you know, whenever there's a character who's like relying so heavily on on another character, it's kind of like, well... The logical, the interesting story thing to do here would be to have that person betray them. So yeah, or kill that person off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, she she does she responds quite favorably to Mando as well. Like she's smiling at Mando and mm. glad to see him. So it's it show and sort of suggests that she's on board. Mm. Um, and, and it's interesting that you know that that pledge of loyalty, the the wording of that, um, is like I, I can I can offer you you know my loyalty and i'll cut you in on the on the deal mm. that's basically wedding vows that's wedding vows by any <laughs> other name <laughs> what's mine is yours and I'll, I'll i'll stand by you yeah you know it's, uh, so they're married now as far as i'm concerned <laughs> bonek or feba or whatever it is <laughs> is a thing it's on it's happening yeah now in that scene as well being when he's sort of recounting you know what's happened to him so far uh, Fennec points out how unlikely it is that the bikers were able to kill the Tuscans, which, like, first off, I don't see why that would be unlikely based on what we've, like, I feel like they would have just shot them from a distance or whatever. But assuming that that is unlikely, that definitely goes towards the idea that it was actually the Pike Syndicate who killed them, um, and that's why Boba is now determined to fight the, the Pike Syndicate, right? Hmm. I never really thought about that. Because it's an odd line to drop in there if yeah. you don't later yeah. reveal that they didn't kill the Tuscans. Yeah. It or was that someone made helped them. To, it was made to look like the bikers did it with the graffiti on the Tuscan tents and everything. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you know, classic frame-up job. Yeah. <laughs> classic or, frame-up job. Or the pikes <laughs> did do it, but, oh, sorry, the bikers did do it, but because mm. the pikes hired them to do it, which is like, what I assumed happened when we watched. Oh yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's definitely, yep. That's a good theory. Or, I mean, I don't know. It's funny because she says that and Verb is like, huh? Yeah. Anyway, let's go kill those bikers. And like, and so (laughs) 
I guess he's like, well, just, just you know, at the, look, that you, you make a good point, but at the moment, all the evidence points to these guys, so we are still mm. going to kill them. Um, and, you know, that was, that was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a fire spray gunship. He's, uh, he's all right. <laughs> he's, you know, he, he can, the way he took out those bikers was just casually brilliant. Yeah. Um, but it just makes you think, like, he could use that ship to, do anything now? You can, why would you ride a rancor through the streets when you got that? I know, right? I know. <laughs> One thing that I kind of remember liking about Boba Fett uh, back in Legends days or whatever was the fact that he was like resourceful. Like the there's a Shadows of the Empire, the Shadows of the Empire comic, which is sort of one of the I guess one of the earlier Boba things I remember reading. That was sort of largely centered around Boba Fett because the the writer of that comic, Boba, was sort of his pet character, John Wagner. And there's a really cool moment in that where Boba, like, doesn't have his armor, but still manages to take out all these bounty hunters who have sort of seemingly have him over a barrel um, and are trying to take Han Solo. And one thing I found kind of frustrating about this show is that 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 Boba, this guy only seems to want to take on challenges when he knows he likes bringing a gun to a knife fight, you know, like there's that thing earlier where he's like, well, I'm not as persuasive without my armor or like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the whole, it's the, it's the, it's the Spider-Man homecoming thing. It's like, if you need the armor, you shouldn't have it. You know, like he, he like, he, I feel like, and maybe we'll see some of that more of that in episode six and seven, but I feel like he's a little reliant on being overpowered. Like, you know, like, of course he killed the bikers. He like came at them, you know, death from above with the, with the fire spray. Like, I just kind of would like to see him in a situation where he actually has to prove his, his prowess at, at some point in this series. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I think he's bound up in, in the image of Boba Fett, isn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, Boba Fett's a guy who wears the armor, has the gunship, uses this type of blaster. You know, everybody mm-hmm. knows Boba Fett. And he's even telling, like, rat catcher droids who he is. Do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, He's sort of trading off old glories a little bit. He is a little. (laughs) We say all this, and you know, it's it's probably just this is probably all just setting the table for Boba to just have a glorious victory over the Pikes Mm -hmm. in uh, in the next two episodes of the show. Hopefully, yeah. It's very interesting to to sort of see that you know under the Empire. I wonder what crime was like on Tatooine, Mm. because because Jabba was still there. We did see a stormtrooper in the Sarlacc pit, which meant that maybe Jabba had some dealings with the Empire that weren't so so good. But, you know, it, it was all still, in theory, you know, un- under the occupation of Tatooine, crime was probably still largely under control. But mm-hmm. now the Empire's gone. There's New Republic pilots patrolling the skies for speeders mm. <laughs> and mm. pulling over guys who are going too fast. But are they doing anything about the vast gang wars going down going on down in the surface yeah like do they ever actually go down to the surface or are they just sort of yeah. patrolling the uh you know the starliner route so like what's their yeah. what's their I don't job? want to throw shade on on friend of the podcast Paul <laughs> Sun Young Lee, definitely not who it was great to see again in this episode one of the highlights of the episode for sure yeah so obviously episode four you know we hear the mando theme at the end of the episode very clear sign we're getting the mando in episode five I didn't think we'd get this much Mando though, right? Like I was like, we'll get some Mando. Like he'll join them. He'll be one of maybe two or three guys they recruit this episode. And yeah. then you know, the next couple episodes, the fight's the fight is on. Was anyone expecting this to just be a stealth Mando episode? No, not at all. 
I really think that came out of the blue mm. um, from the very start. I mean, you know, it was really nicely done with the silhouette, which, you know, you, you might think is Boba for two seconds, but no, nah, it's not. Mm. 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 Once, the, once the plastic flaps open, it's, it's <laughs> our guy. <laughs> Yeah. I loved I loved the um, fact that like have you seen the the teaser video they've the Star Wars account has has been putting up on social media for this episode because yeah. it literally it shows you nothing about this episode because like yeah. to show people anything from this episode if they haven't seen it is a spoiler like any Mando stuff is a spoiler so the whole episode becomes a spoiler so if you haven't seen it guys have a look go to the Star Wars account and look at the teaser they've put up for episode 5 it's so funny like if you if you look at it from the perspective of like I'm I'm someone unsure about whether to watch this show I'll check out this teaser for episode 5 it is literally it's like just b-roll of like it's the starliner flying down to Tatooine and then some extras getting off the ship like it's the only footage they could cull from the episode that didn't have you know like a new planet or a new like a returning character or a, mm. a droid easter egg or like a cool thing that they didn't want to spoil because virtually every frame of this episode has something spoilable and cool in it um so- that video is an ad for disney's galactic star cruiser <laughs> it just they've put up the wrong thing there that's yeah um, 100%. Even the the little the, the the panel that you get on Disney Plus is just the it's the Ishi Tib yes um, at sitting at the table and and that's kind of you know that's all you can see yeah <laughs> and it's funny because the Boba Fett episode descriptions have been very sort of Spartan and sometimes that's because there's just not a lot of plot that happens in the episode but in in this case it's like yeah it's because you can't say anything about this episode mm. without without spoiling it it's, it said an unexpected ally emerges. Yeah. I'm like, dude, we all heard that music cue yeah. at the end of episode four. It's not. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 scope and the scale, it wasn't just that they brought Mando back. It was mm-hmm. the fact that this episode opened things up so much, opened the galaxy up so much, uh, opened this show up so much. Um, because, you know, one of the criticisms of this series has been people saying like, oh, I'm sick of Tatooine. That's not a criticism I really share. I find, you know, Tatooine's a cool planet. Obviously, it's like the planet for Star Wars. And it's been interesting to kind of dig, do a deeper dive into one planet over the course of a series, which we don't normally do in Star Wars. Having said that, the second we got to, you know, Glavis or Glavis, which is the the ring, the ring world that he goes to, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Like, yeah, this is sick. This is what we watch this for. This is amazing. It's so cool. It's it's kind of like um, a Dyson sphere, sort of, except it's not a sphere. It's just a ring um, or a bit like Babylon 5, you know, the interior of the space station, you know, with that centrifugal force keeping everything gravitationally anchored. Mm. So I guess it's similar to that, but just on a massive scale. And it's it's so good. Mm. I've seen people say, like, I've never played the Halo games, but apparently mm. if you have, it looks very Halo-y as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I should have thought about that. Like, it's, that's literally what Halo is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And obviously there's, like, yeah. the Ringworld series of books and stuff. Yeah. So, that's it's, you know, there's a lot of... Mm. It's it, I suppose that's a, a, an idea we've seen a lot in sci-fi, but I don't mm. think we've seen it like this in Star Wars. And, you know, yeah. and uh, as I say, like, it's the context of it. It's the fact that we've sort of been on this, the desert planet for four episodes and then 
boom, like we get this incredible new planet design. So that was really cool. It just every, every, every scene I was like, I just kept waiting for, you know, meanwhile on in Boba's palace and we would sort of cut <laughs> back to the book of Boba Fett and, and, you know, we'd sort of go back into that storyline, but I kind of didn't want them to. I'm like, no, I want to keep seeing like, give me more Mando, give me more Mando. Uh, you know, so we got the armor, obviously we got so much backstory on, we got answers to things that we've been wondering about for years in The Mandalorian, just casually yeah. revealed in an episode of The Book of Boba Fett. We've wanted to see The Night of a Thousand Tears. Like we've said, you know, God knows how many times on the pod, like what happened? Like what, you know, and now we know uh, the Terminator mm-hmm. happened. Um, you know, <laughs> the, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's very, very Skynet, very James Cameron. That was really cool. I still think a thousand, a thousand tears isn't enough. It's nowhere near enough. It should be. Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta think these are hard. These are very hard people. You know, <laughs> so like, like one tear is like that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, for a thousand, te- that's at least a thousand Mandalorians who have been moved to tears. Maybe it's the night of a thousand, a thousand tears. I'm going to Maybe. tear you a new one. With Maybe a massive Maybe. nuclear bomb. They've been yeah, they've been they've been saying it wrong all these years. <laughs> uh, so that was great. Obviously, I love that they tied it to probably one of the most consistent. What do you, I don't know, like a thing that people have been, including us, have pointed out as a, a plot hole from the Mandalorian, which is that you know, Bo-Katan's whole thing is like I can't take the dark saber from you. I have to win it from you in combat. And we've sort of said, oh, you know. But she took it from for, yeah. from Sabine, and it turns out, well, yeah, that's the problem. Um, mm-hmm. so I love that they addressed the fact that she was handed the dark saber by Sabine, and how the Mandalorians believe that that sort of led to their ruin, and that that led yeah. to the, the Night of a Thousand Tears. It seems like the Armorer knows more about the Jedi and the other Mandalorians than we initially thought she did. Um, so that was interesting. Like we got more of a sense of how, like the you know. Mando's clan and and Death Watch or whatever sort of relates to the other Mandalorians. So, the, you know, and, and just confirmation, I guess, that they see themselves as, you know, the true Mandos, whereas the, those other guys are out there bringing, you know, shame and disrepute upon upon the Mandalorians. Mm. I, uh, look, after this episode, I'm more convinced than ever that the armor is just straight up evil. Mm. Like a, a really, a really bad person. I don't know. I thought that before this episode. I've always sort of mm-hmm. been looking forward to when he reunites with the armorer, you know, because I, I wanted the sort of like, you told me this and you told me that. And I, you know, I went out into the world and I, I saw things and now I know. But instead, he's like, tell me more stuff. And she's like, all right, here's more stuff. I don't know. Unless I'm forgetting something obvious. No lies detected. Like most of what she said is, oh, yeah. At least from their perspective, true. Yeah. Doesn't make it good, though. No. Um, and and the whole the whole creed that she has, the whole creed that she enforces upon him, mm. it's it's just wrong. Like, you know, anyone who saw episode the last episode of season two of The Mandalorian and saw him take his helmet off mm. to share that moment with Grogu, it's like, why would you? This this creed is evil. This creed mm. is wrong. Mm. And the fact that she's berating him for it mm. and and saying, oh, you're going to have to go to the pools beneath the ruined minds i really hope he doesn't i really hope he just same like that's 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 clearly being set up as the campaign for season three and i i i i'm hoping that the twist is that he doesn't do it that he's like he grows he grows beyond the armorer um and he's like actually like i have nothing to apologize for like i'm not i'm not 
diving under the caves of whatever the hell you know what i mean like i i yeah i i hope that he comes to that conclusion himself in season yeah. three it's it's just it's literally religious dogma uh, i guess on that i mean you know obviously he asks for uh for something to be made for the foundling um mm-hmm. for, for grogu baz i know you have thoughts on what this is a mithril shirt <laughs> or a beskar a Beskar shirt, like like the one that Bilbo gives to Frodo, pretty much. Mm. I think that's the only thing it could be, because we do see the rings dropping in that scene immediately before it's wrapped up. So, you know, it's, it's got to be a little chainmail shirt that he can wear under his robe. But it's so tiny. Like, whatever's wrapped in yeah. the little, that little package is so small. Yeah, well, it's very fine, you know. Th- yeah. Um, Fro- Frodo's one is basically, like, the thickness of a cotton shirt. Okay. You know, because it's mithril. Yeah. See, I'm, yeah. I'm not. A, I know almost nothing about Lord of the Rings. So this is yeah. uh, that. That okay. That makes sense then. I guess I, yeah. I had assumed based on how tiny it was that he just got the little ball from the ship uh, covered in Beskar, so he wouldn't. So oh. Grogu wouldn't lose it. But yours makes more sense, I guess. Mm. Like if it's actually something functional. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although you know, <laughs> we've learned from this episode that Beskar. In all it's cracked up to be, if you don't, ha- if you if you're not completely covered in it, yeah, because <laughs> um, it's you know, Mando seems to rely on his Beskar to deflect a lot of blaster fire, and you know he's not completely covered in Beskar, is he? No, he's got a breastplate, a couple of shoulder bits, you know, the leg bits, which are just basically facing forward, so it doesn't catch anything from the side. Boba Fett's got even less; he's got nothing on his legs. Yeah. So it's like, well, Beskar's not great. <laughs> well, it's not that the Beskar's unless, not great. They just need yeah, more of it. Unless you're, unless you're cutting yourself in the leg with the dark suit. <laughs> He's lucky to not lose his leg. That's crazy. <laughs> what um what did you make of the little little present, the the wrapping of the present kind of looking like Grogu with the little beautiful. Yeah. It was yeah. cute. Uh, so well done. Speaking of Grogu, I mean, later on when he gets the Naboo Starfighter with <laughs> the Astromech taken out, Grogu's yeah. going in that spot, right? For sure, yeah. Like, it's, they've even sealed it up so it's a little second, like a tiny, yeah. a tiny cockpit in the back. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking, is Pelly designing that for Grogu or is she thinking that's where he can put his bounties? I think she's designing it for Grogu. I think she's like... Yeah, he's a step ahead of him and knows that he's going to reunite with Grogu at some point, and she's mm-hmm. made it. And she's she hasn't told him this, but I think she's made it for for Grogu. Um, yeah. Having said that, yes, that was my question throughout that whole sequence. Is like, but how? But but he's a bounty hunter. Like this is completely not mm. functional for what he does. It's awesome. Yeah. Like I I love seeing this the Starfighter return and just the episode one overload of like the Naboo starfighter r- racing through the, the, the pod race track. Um, yeah, that was incredible. Um, you know, like going back to beggars Canyon and that was all amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the first time he catches a bounty or whatever, it's like, well, what do I, what do I do with this? Yeah. Especially, you know, if it's a Gamorrean, he's not fitting in that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And yeah, I was watching it with, I was watching it with my wife and she's like, but it doesn't have a toilet. <laughs> but like, that's a serious right. thing. He, it doesn't have a toilet. Doesn't have a kitchen. Doesn't have you know. 
yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the Razor Crest of like the Falcon, or you know, it's yeah. like it's a it's or Slave One. I assume it's over the fire spray. It's like it's a ship that like you know it's built for long haul journeys and for mm. carrying people from one place to another when you have to hand them in to collect your money. Uh, yeah. yeah, or you could strap them to the wing. Um, <laughs> so they'd be they'd be super cool, but still super not cool. just ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure they've thought of this. They're always a step ahead of us. I'm sure next episode he'll be like, oh, it's my trusty starfighter and my little compartment that goes underneath or whatever that I put a person in. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just <laughs> or, thought it was funny. You know, he can, he can magnetize carbonite slabs to the wings or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they'll have a way around it. I'm sure there's probably been other bounty hunters with similarly like non-functional but cool-looking ships in the past as well. But yeah, I don't know. It, I guess speaking of that, also great to see Mando uh, before he gets his ship back. Now, I kind of assumed. Obviously, we know the Razor the Razor Crest was was blown up in season two. I assumed he had some sort of just stopgap ship in the meantime. Um, no, it was hilarious seeing him just fly coach, like just traveling on a on a commercial flight. That was yeah. one of my favorite things in the series so far. And sad as much yeah. as sad. <laughs> you remember I said last episode that we were, you know, that how sad it was for the Pikes to turn up mm. on commercial <laughs> airlines to Tatooine. <laughs> it's not really a flex move. The fact that that baggage handler has no idea how close he came to <laughs> the ruler of Mandalore. That's that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's the whole, the, you um, know, like weapons of my religion. It's like, okay, Karen, just give me the, <laughs> just just give me the stuff so we can, everyone can keep moving here. He's very flexible with his religion when it suits him. You know, yeah. And it sort of moves <laughs> the things along, doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's um, the whole thing just played like a reference to Star Tours. I think it even had, you know, there was a voiceover in the background going, welcome to the nonstop service to Tatooine, mm. um, which is, I think, what Star Tours, uh, I think it was the nonstop service to the moon of Endor, somewhere. Oh, so, okay. you know, it's the same kind of, yeah. And the baggage handler is um, the same kind of droid, the RX series droid from mm-hmm. Star Tours. So, you know, it's all, all very Star Toursy. Oh, 100%. It also yeah. reminded me of like just the way that people didn't even seem to think it was like that weird for a guy in full <laughs> samurai armor to be traveling on. It reminded me of like in um, my favorite joke in Kill Bill, where the plane just has like a little spot for your sword, like built into the seats. Like it was like, <laughs> like in this universe, it's just a totally normal thing for, for someone to be flying around with, with this sort of stuff on them. Yeah. I love the uh, the concept of a nonstop service to Tatooine as well, as if it's like vitally important for anyone to get yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird to see my my thing. This episode and last episode has been like through through this whole series has been like Luke was just so sheltered. Yeah, it's like that thing parents say to kids. You know, like there's no excuse to be bored. You know, like if you're bored, like that's your that that's on you. You know, like there's so many things you can do to entertain yourself, and it's like. Tatooine seems like a more thriving place than Luke portrayed it. But at the same time, that is true to life. That's Mm. any teenager describing the place where they (laughs) are currently living. Yeah, I I guess he just lived so far out of town Mm. that nothing was happening. He lived in Modesto. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, yeah, so he he gets to Tatooine uh, and then we get, obviously, the the reunion with Peli, which is great. She's got a BD droid. That's she cool. does, which was awesome. Yeah. So cool. 
so many little of those things in this episode. And some, you know, sometimes that stuff can be a little like, oh, okay, we get it. But I don't know. Everything worked in this episode. Mm. Uh, obviously, we, we saw the, uh, what do they call it in this? The cryogenic density. <laughs> Combustion, yes. but it's it's the pipe that they use to uh, to to hold the trash compactor apart in a new yeah. Home. So that was great. Um, there's probably all sorts of things in that garage that are like fun little references. Oh, yeah. if you go back and like freeze, you have to go and freeze frame it. Yeah, yeah. But even even the 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 sound the car make the the car the Naboo Starfighter makes mm. and the the way the engine sits up above the bonnet and everything. Mm. It's just like one of the cars that George Lucas would have loved when he was yes. a kid. It's like yeah. they they took something that was already like a design from a George Lucas movie and yeah. made it more George Lucas. Like it's more fitting for this era of the timeline now as well because everything in mm. that prequel era is sort of meant to be clean and you know it's like a it's a throwback to a better time a more civilized time but you know yeah. this era is grungy and dirty and so it makes sense that you've got sort of the you know he's yeah he's taken a 50s hot rod and turned it into an 80s muscle car. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, then just yeah, as we said, just the the episode one overload of the Naboo Starfighter flying through the canyons. Um, the ra- the barrier to that ramp is still not been fixed. No, in no. the last fifty years or whatever it is. I guess they haven't done any <laughs> racing there since that race. I don't know. I, I'm I'm hoping for some backstory <laughs> there at some point. What ha- what happened to the seemingly very popular? You know, did uh, did did uh, the the Pod Racing Federation take it away from Tatooine? Was there some sort of corruption or something and they've you know they've moved the race to another planet who knows yeah um, well I, I suppose luke did race the skyhopper through beggars canyon 10 years before this mm. so there wouldn't have been pod races happening then it would have been the old track because you know you wouldn't get onto a pod race track would you there'd be you'd think there'd be oh, you probably would it's well, like maybe, how, it's like know, how people when Indy used to be on Surface Paradise and then people would go there, you know, like a few weeks before or after or whatever to, you know, rev heads would be like, oh, this is where they do the Indy. You know what I mean? Like it's only it's only sealed off when the race is actually like oh, okay. a, a, yeah, around yeah. The, yeah, right. the weeks when the race is happening. But otherwise, those yeah. would just be places you could go, I would imagine. Mm. Um, but yes, they, it, it seems like there haven't been any since the one we saw in Phantom Menace because stuff hasn't been repaired. So anyway, give us the backstory of what went wrong. With, um, <laughs> yeah. With the Boonta Eve uh, pod race, um, <laughs> like everybody, everybody died in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what went wrong with the Boonta Eve pod race. So there wasn't anyone left to race. Once Anakin left, it, it was just Sebulba with no pod. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's a literal <laughs> like, are you hosting the Boonta Eve pod race again, Jabba? No, too many people died last year. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess, I guess that's what happened. Uh, like if if they had to shoot ninety percent of the horses in the Melbourne Cup, they probably yeah. wouldn't hold it ever again. I think they would, unfortunately. <laughs> Based on everything we've seen, I think they would just keep going. But yeah, yeah no, you make. That, I, I'm guessing that, that that makes sense. That's probably what happened. Um, mm. There was speaking a, of the, the the faster than a father line was cool from Pepper yes. as well. Yeah, another yeah. cool example of like bridging all the eras, like connecting yeah. the eras up like that. It's all happening at once. Um, there was like a fun Superman, the movie reference as well. I mean, cheesy, but, you know, cute when obviously uh, Mando interacted with the kid on the Starliner and then later yeah. on when he sort of flies past the, you know, and does, gives him the nod or whatever. Um, and then immediately gets pulled over by the cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know, Paul was cool with him. Uh, basically, yeah, he was more good. or less. Um, obviously, we got we got the the wizard callback. They're still trying to make oh, a wizard yeah. happen, um, <laughs> which is which is great. Uh, I'd say if you liked the second, if you liked the second half of this episode, so specifically all the Naboo Starfighter stuff. Um, if anyone listening to this enjoyed all of that, and particularly him, then sort of taking you know the Starfighter out and flying it around, and and just sort of getting a few minutes of like, this is cool. You know, the plot's not advancing. It doesn't matter. Like we're just with letting the galaxy breathe for a few minutes and just reveling in this with Mando. Yeah. If you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels, check out the episode Wings of the Master. So you don't need to, if you haven't seen any of Rebels, you don't need to know anything about Rebels to enjoy that episode. Like I was going to say, all you need to know is there's a, there's a woman who's a pilot who loves flying. You don't even need to know that because that's clearly, you know, in the episode. But yeah, there's a very similar sequence in that where you see her, uh, take a really important Star Wars ship out for its first sort of flight, and it's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm guessing that like Bryce Ellis Howard had seen that, or John Favreau had seen that, and that was a an influence on this episode of um on the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Speaking of Bryce Dallas Howard, incredible directing job, right? Yeah. Give her a feature. Give her a trilogy now. Yeah. Like she can she can do this. She can nail it. There's so many sequences in that that were just perfect and and like you said this episode felt like it went past it was one of the longest ones it was 51 minutes or something uh it felt like it went past in half an hour for me Mm. it just went so quickly Mm. because i was so wrapped up in it Mm. and the other ones maybe have dragged a little bit Mm. you know i've i've sort of checked the my watch 20 minutes in and gone oh well there's still 20 minutes of this to go or 25 minutes of this to go but yeah. didn't look at didn't look at the watch once just enjoyed the ride yeah the whole thing and when it was over i was like that can't be 51 minutes yeah and george lucas has talked a lot about this when people first saw star wars in the 70s they would always talk about how fast paced it was and then people in later generations watch it and they're like oh man like the start of that movie is really slow by contemporary standards and it's like <laughs> well yeah cuz you know all this stuff like, you know, C-3PO and R2-D2 and Tatooine and Darth Vader and whatever, whatever, whatever. And I think part of the reason this episode felt like it was going so quickly is like we were finding out so much information. Like there was so much mm. and there were so many, there were new designs and there were so many things to like absorb um, that it felt like it was going quickly. Um, yeah. That. When Mando arrived to Tatooine, did you think for a second he was on Jakku? No, I figured he was going to meet... Uh, yeah. No. But I, I just saw that um Ralph Macquarie uh archway. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that that was, you know, originally a concept drawing for Tatooine but was used in Nima Outpost and Jakku in Force Awakens. And I saw that and I was like, "Oh, is there, are we at Nima Outpost now?" Mm. And then a sec seconds later you realize you're in Mos Eisley. Mm. Couldn't be anywhere else, but uh yeah, I just thought that's it's odd for Tatooine and Jakku to have maybe the same architecture there. I mean, it just goes with um, yeah, you know, Jakku being sort of Tatooine, Tatooine light. Yeah. I guess <laughs> it was it was cool to see that design back on you know the planet it was sort of originally designed for. I guess. Yeah. How, how good is it that uh, Boba Fett needs to hire Mando, but doesn't even have to leave the the town? He just <laughs> he just rolls up there at the right time. <laughs> It's very Boba Fett. It's very just yeah. like, is there a way, what's the laziest way for me to recruit uh, a team? It's like, I don't, I don't even have to slowly walk over there with my gang. I'm just going to send Fennec <laughs> over ahead of me. 
That's this is perfect. More time in the Bacta tank for me. More time yeah. in the Polynesian spa. <laughs> he's done with that now. He's he, he is done he's, with that. He's done with that. But you know, once you once you go back to, you never go back. Like I reckon he's probably <laughs> he's probably jumped in there just for fun. I mean, look how good his skin looks now. You know, you'd be going oh. in there just to sort of like refresh, feel rejuvenated. Mm. No, I believe he's no, I believe he's forty two. Exactly. All the yeah. all the all the things we had about like he shouldn't look so old, but it makes sense in universe, so it's fine. Like it's like well, that's all irrelevant now because now he looks the age he's meant to look. Um, yeah. So, you know, props to, to Tim Morrison and to the digital effects team, I guess, mm-hmm. whichever, I don't know who's doing more of the heavy lifting there, but props to somebody. Uh, I guess last question, Baz, obviously we've said, you know, we may or may not see Grogu next week. Um, we'll, we'll definitely see Bobo recruit more muscle. When do you think we'll get a sense of, and I assume it won't be until the Mandalorian season three, but do you think we'll get sort of an idea of what Bo-Katan's been up to while Mando's just roaming around with the Darksaber, not taking any interest in reclaiming Mandalore? Because hmm. it seemed like she was pretty keen on getting back the Darksaber and reclaiming Mandalore. Yeah, well, she's got a cruiser now. Mm. So you'd imagine she's going to try and fill that cruiser with um, some Mandalorian rejects who've been sort of living out there as best they can. Like uh, we saw Mando's... Yeah, or the armor's covert living uh, in mm. the season one. So I'd hope that Bo-Katan's sort of on the on the way to recruit some of those and bring them aboard her cruiser and get a star cruiser full of Mandalorians to, to go back whenever she can. But she needs, I mean, well, two things have to happen. She needs Din Djarin to realize that he's a worthy ruler and, and he could learn to use the Darksaber and he could step up and do this because it's fallen to him. Or... Uh, and the other thing that needs to happen is he's been excommunicated now, really, hasn't he? He's mm. been told he's not a Mandalorian anymore, so therefore he can't be the Mandalore, even if he has the Darksaber. He's got about as much right to the throne as Moff Gideon because he's it, not Mandalorian. Yes. He's been kicked out. It depends how you look at it because from, like, if he's not Mandalorian, then from the armorer's perspective, Bo- Bo-Katan's not Mandalorian either. Mm. She well, almost yeah. never wears that helmet. So... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, well, it depends if we're taking the armorer's word on who's Mandalorian and who's and who's not. And I suppose Mando probably is, but Bo-Katan's not. Yeah, but, well, I mean, the Mando, the armorer has basically told him he's not. And yeah. if, if he goes along with her, if he, you know, is still under the thumb of this cult, then, you know, he's going to believe that. And yeah. maybe, he, maybe he will feel the need to go and immerse himself in the baptismal waters beneath the mines of <laughs> purify his health in the waters of Lake Minnetonka or whatever, yeah. whatever he ends up doing. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if he, only if he does that, can he then regain his Mandalorian status in his own mind and the armorer's eyes to, yeah. to go on to become the rightful ruler, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, is, is it even something he wants? Is it something that's worth doing? Is it something that's, co- you know, that's worth compromising his newfound, family and his newfound values for who knows i I just i don't think so and i wouldn't like to see him do it Mm. he's capable of doing it i think he'd be a good leader Mm. but you know i don't really want to see him do it i Mm. I think it's it's not his path it doesn't seem to be his path Mm. i think he's quite happy doing what he's doing even though you know he doesn't ever seem happy Well, we'll we'll see more of him next week, which is exciting. Mm. 
Um, unless the, unless they really pull a bait and switch, and then next week there's no Mando. But uh, I'm I'm guessing there there will be. Uh, the internet would blow up. It that. would absolutely blow up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, hit us up, guys. Let us know on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you wherever you uh, follow us. That uh, what you thought of this episode of uh, of these last couple episodes of Book of Boba Fett, and what you think is coming up in Book of Boba Fett episode six and uh what i assume is the finale episode seven baz any any parting thoughts on these episodes let us know that the uh if you think the armor is evil like mm. I do. Mm. <laughs> i'm ron williams i'm baz McAllister, and you've just taken your first step into a larger world <laughs>